Hello and welcome to List of These Nerds. Tonight, uh, today I'm going to be interviewing Kyle Rawlings and Sam Hannis. Uh, uh, you may remember Kyle from the uh, massive number of playbooks we talked about uh, during uh, his last interview. Uh, but uh, Sam, you are uh, this is your first time on our podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Uh, so, um, Sam, uh, uh, if the audience has been paying attention, and I suggest they, they, if they haven't listened to it, go back and listen to uh, Kyle's first interview with us. Uh, oh, we usually start off by asking about kind of how you got into uh, tabletop design and uh, masks in uh, particular. So, uh, what's your history uh, uh, with this uh, system and like designing and such? Because you're you're the, you're the uh, the artist uh, yes. part of this duo, correct? That is correct. Well, um, I've known Kyle for a long time, and we've we played video games together for a long time, and that kind of natural transition transitioned into tabletop games. You know, one day, Kyle came to me and said, "Like, I found this cool game, and we should, you know, try playing a game in it." Um, so I've I've played a couple mask games with Kyle and really enjoyed it. And you know he started creating all his bazillion uh, homebrew playbooks and all that. And at some point we just started talking about maybe making a thing of it. And I always drew character art of my own characters just because that was fun. <laughs> so it just it was pretty natural to then kind of move that to well I could sign these other characters too and all this stuff. And I. Uh, got a college degree in graphic design, so I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure I can make PDFs that look pretty snazzy too, and it just kind of worked pretty easily that way. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, so uh, today we're talking about the 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 PDF you two put out the uh the War Book, uh, a collection of masks playbooks. Um, I have to say yeah. this is like very nice, very well designed. Uh, we it looks incredibly professional uh thank you so uh i'm gonna start off with a weird question for you sam <laughs> oh boy hit me how did you come up with the skyline pattern at the top of the playbook oh um the uh, oh on each of the individual playbooks uh i kind of had the influence or the, the influence from kyle that it's you know a lot of the, the adventures he may take place in this city that he's made called San Francisco, and it's got a lot of like Pan-Asian American influence. So I was just looking up skylines, and I just kind of took a bunch of inspiration from different ones and put them together. I just wanted to make it look a little more dynamic and than the ones I was finding, and I found like the Ferris wheel and wanted to put that in there, and it just kind of was, a lot of our stuff ends up being, we just find like all these little bits of inspiration on, in various corners, and then slowly kind of draw them together to make something special and unique so it's just right. a lot of yeah i just wanted to, i i just wanted to make something that felt like san francisco and took a lot of inspiration from various guidelines and just kind of slowly patched them together until it felt right <laughs> that's that's super cool i i'm it, it's it's just an, an interesting thing for me to like i'm tickled that uh, you noticed and liked it <laughs> yeah i like the 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 skyline is just like it's a such a small part of the playbook but it's interesting to see how how different designers like uh take to that because obviously not everyone can use the uh uh the the masks like base skyline for their playbook yeah yeah i like our whole thing's never to copy anyone i mean obviously like, i followed their 
their design of the playbook. But I didn't, for any of the art or any elements like that, I wanted it to be specifically our own. And knowing that San Francisco has all these different, like, districts, I kind of wanted to represent that so that the skyline looked a little bit varied across the way. And yeah, it was just a little thing that was one of the very first things I started with. I just, I don't know, I just wanted it to be up there and make, you know, have that be the start of our own special little thing. Uh, and did that also influence the, the, the skyline uh, that you use on the cover of the book? It did a bit. Uh, that one I created uh, just with different brushes and things I had. But like that, that's why I put like the little bridge in and things like that. And yeah. It's kind of funny, that was full circle, because it kind of came full circle, because when I was working on our first uh, PDF, the skyline, for whatever reason, was one of the first elements I worked on, just because it was an idea I had. And then the for the war book, that's one of the final pieces that got put in, so <laughs> here we go. All right. Uh, so um, is there anything else uh, about the the uh, the cover, which is, is like the... The largest single art piece in the book um, <laughs> that you'd like to highlight, something that you're proud of, something that you think people might miss uh, when uh, taking a look at it. Um, well, there's uh, there's there's something I put in there that's like kind of little hints. I don't know if we'd call them Easter eggs exactly, but in the graffiti, there's some little uh, I don't know if I call them Easter eggs, but yeah, they're just little uh, touches that. Um, represent each of the characters so that it's like you know it's something they don't need to notice but if you do it's like oh yeah hey that's that person that's very cool <laughs> so there's uh, a little, you know nuggets there to find mm-hmm. and um so for the characters do you like did you uh when creating these kind of uh like iconic characters for the playbooks did you uh come up with an actual like character or is it supposed to be a little bit more generic that just kind of gets the feel of the character like wh- where did you uh where did the ideas for these uh come together uh for these characters and actually all our characters we they actually have like there is a character behind them i'm one of the little side projects i'm working on right now is making little kind of like baseball cards for each of them that has like a bit of their story on the back explaining you know like how they came in being who what the hero that they are and like their name and stuff like that um for the warbook, I started with the witch because that was actually a character that I had played in Masks. And then when we, or well, you know, when Kyle came up with the the playbooks and we were talking about the witch, I'm like, oh, it has to be, it has to be Hex. Like, it has to be the witch. He fits this perfectly. So for him, I already had an idea in mind. I very much had a feel of what kind of person and character and hero he was. So I designed him first, and then I kind of had this initial sketch because I wanted them all to be posing together. So I sketched where I wanted the other two to be. Um, but they also have characters, and they're based, like, Kyle and I have played a lot of different games together, like tabletop and MMOs and things like that. Um, so they're, they you know, have some inspiration taken from characters that we've made before, and then have been kind of adapted for masks and, you know, made into these individual characters here. But yeah, they have their own story and, like, personalities, which made it, you know, easier to draw them because I have a very, like, keen sense of, like, okay, I know the, who this is, like... The ace, I'm like she has personality. I know that she, you know, she's fun. She's also gonna kick butt. And the Ronin, I'm like he's a bit more, you know, uh, a little bit more reserved, <laughs> at least in this case. And but you know, he's also kind of uh, feisty when you get to him. But I, just, you know, anyway, um, yeah, they all have personalities. Like for the art, since I didn't at the very beginning, I didn't have this necessarily a idea for like the costume, but we came 
Kyle always finds these cool inspiration images and like we look all around and then eventually again like take bits like I, I like this bit I like this bit of that person and then slowly we come up with our own like uh, unique design that fits San Francisco and this character. Yeah, if, if I could, if I could share just one inspiration folder, I think the Ranger has forty pages of art that I've <laughs> I've collected. Um, and that that's that's a playbook that's coming in our our Kickstarter, which I know we'll talk about later. Um, but for for me, it was really important to get, um, especially for the Ace art that sort of paid homage to the anime stylings that we that we kind of were going for with that, since it's it's. Shonen protagonist, the playbook. Um, so the the sword is kind of a um, an homage to Bleach, Ichigo's first bon- uh, first sword that he has um, during the Soul Society arc, where it's just like a gigantic uh, cleaver. Um, there's a little bit of, I guess, black clover in that sword design too. Just you know, something very simple and not elegant. I guess was was, was what I what I wanted for the sword. Um, that fits the character. <laughs> And it, it, yeah, and the character's obviously inspired by every shonen protagonist under the sun. Um, and the the outfit is actually kind of based off of, um, and I, off the top of my head, I can't re- remember the, the Japanese term, but there are delinquent kind of characters uh, as a trope. Uh, you can, I guess Yankee is, is a term that they use. Um, but there's different, different words, different styles for female and male d- delinquents. Um, and just like the Japanese schoolgirl for like the punky kind of um, female delinquent, uh, really felt like on brand for um, our ace. Her name, her 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 name is Celine. Uh, her her hero name is Scoundrel. Um, so you know, just we 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 try, I think, to really hammer down who they are first. As Sam said, we have uh, like little character blurbs. I've I've written all of them for all of the playbooks that we we plan on. Um, either trying to get get done or will get done. Um, so I, yeah, I think that that's the first step. Um, really, really case in point. I, I know they're not uh, on the three playbooks that we're here to talk about necessarily today, but the the Rangers are a really good good example. Um, is we had forty pages of of art inspiration for that because we really didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, really, you know, from from all over, not just not just anime, not just comics. Um, obviously not just from Sentai shows, but just all all over the place. Um, and Sam Sam messaged me and said, "Hey, I have this idea. I know we talked about the Ranger a little bit, and we we wanted we we really like diversity. Um, we don't want to just have like a bunch of Asian characters or white characters. Um, so we talked about you know what not basically like not by checklist, obviously was." That you know, that's just pandering. Um, we want to, you know, we could, you know, as as open as we can. Um, so that kind of set us down a path of like, okay, well, here's here's what we plan for them. I don't want to like spoil or anything because I think part of the fun is re- getting to reveal the art uh, and hype things up. Um, so I'm a consummate shill, and um, that really that really kind of put a lot of thoughts in my head. So I went and sat down. And finished up all the character blurbs for some other stuff, and finally got theirs done. Um, and then we met up on last Thursday, was it? Um, for like a pizza night, and just like prepped for release the day after. And we talked about it, and 
kind of got some like homage ideas and the next day I think I added two or three more pages of of art inspiration and I I think we actually have like what we ha- I think we have a good clear image of what the art is going to be like for the ranger now. Um so that that kind of explains the the process. Um and then I I I I feel like I have to to mention this because I I think a lot of people don't notice these but Sam has included like little character pins on the ace and the ronin um and they're such a they're such a good touch um and they're they're almost kind of easter eggy as well you're right i forgot to mention yeah. those <laughs> yeah um so yeah they they're one of those things where i think people just kind of glaze over and they don't know, you know they're like oh hey they've got like some some bangles and some extra art on them but i don't think people really give them a good like solid look and they're just kind of once over but they're they're actually really important uh and easter eggy to at least the people who know about the characters uh so i think it's a, it's a nice touch so yeah no that's super cool like the um uh the amount of detail and, and work that have gone into into these um uh characters definitely uh i i just zoomed in and to to check out those pins and it, it's very <laughs> like Lots of interesting stuff going on there. Yeah. All right. All right. So Sam, I, if you don't mind, I think we'll we'll probably come back and talk about each individual character design as we we go through the playbooks. But I, I think it's uh, about time we we start talking about uh, the the war playbooks themselves. Oh yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah. So um, starting with the the witch, uh, uh, and I, I think. Um, and you said uh, that that you design that uh, this is like your character. Uh, is that right, Sam? The uh, yeah, you called them Hex. Yeah, that's correct. The, his hero name is Hex, and it's a character I think I played as a a scion first, and maybe a delinquent at one point. But the, none of them quite fit what we what you know the feeling that he was supposed to have. And when Kyle created the witch, I was just like, well, that's perfect. And I, I think I don't remember. Uh, if we talked about code, where did we both just immediately say, "Yeah, it's gonna be Hex"? Um, I can't remember exactly, but we who, were in who, a play by Bose game. <laughs> we, were, we were in a play by Bose game, and you did art for Hex, <clears throat> and we hadn't started any art yet. And I was like, "Hey, <laughs> this would be this would be really good because you were playing the witch." And I said, "Why don't we just use this for the witch?" Okay, and you're so like, I was playtesting the witch, and then I'm like, "Well, why yeah, don't you just you were yeah?" Okay, that was the problem. And, that, yeah. and, and that, that happened that happened with the Royal too, which that art is out. And again, I know it's not in the war book, but it will be in the Kickstarter. Um so we had another idea for the Royal. Um yeah, I, I haven't had like two ideas of different characters for the Royal, but then it ended up being someone completely different. <laughs> yeah, I I um I was really excited it was gonna have like a food dog style uh, kind of outfit that I was, you know, uh, was really excited for, but obviously seeing the art, I, I don't think it could have been anybody else. It just feels like we, we, they, I, I, I'm sure we would have felt, I would have felt the same way if we had done the original idea too. But um, I really like the art that we did for the royal. So uh, and and going back to the witch, like I, I played him with these powers even before the witch that he. May, like we found a way to make it work with some other playbooks. So he always had like constructs and just very kind of like magic occult kind of powers. 
So it just translated very naturally to the Witch, and then I drew him for fun when I was playtesting the Witch as X. And then, yeah, as Kyle said, he was just said, why don't we, why don't we use this? Yeah, I was like, uh, if the picture, if the, if the art's already done, then, then why, why, um, if, and, yeah. and if it fits, then why reinvent the wheel? Like, we've already gotten it done. Let's just, I just went you know. back later and, yeah, like, gave it a little oomph to match the others, because once I finished the, uh, Ronin and the Ace, they all had, like, you know, a very strong aesthetic, and I just added a little, I had to go back and add some more pops of purple to the witch, and then they all just went together really nice. Yeah, you can you can probably find on my Twitter feed uh, old pictures of the the witch to compare, um, no. but you shouldn't. I should probably go back and delete those. <laughs> kidding, people. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I like all the extra bits and bo- and bobs on it. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the uh, the the two images side by side right now. Um, yeah, you added a lot of of, of the purple detailing. Uh, the shoelaces, the the symbols on the knives, the 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 necklace, and, and yeah. you redid the uh, the the eyes, which are are very striking. Thank you. Once I had done the ace and the Ronin, they each had a lot more like pops and details in their specific color that I'd wanted for the playbook. So when I put them all all together, as I was preparing to work on the cover. Kyle and I both had the same thought. We like came to me and I said, "Yeah, I'm already thinking about." It. I said, "What do you think about adding some more pops of color or details to the witch?" Because the other two seemed to have a strong connection to their color, and his wasn't as strong. He just, I think, had just had the um, like scarf basically. So it's like, yeah, I was already thinking about that. So I just went back, and then I'm happy that I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's another thing that uh, a lot of playbooks don't do. You a lot of playbooks. Stick to the kind of masks blue color for their uh, for their layout and their uh, uh, but for the war book you each uh, playbook has its own color and that's kind of represented throughout the the playbook not just on the uh, on the character image um, uh, was that just a uh, what what drove that choice ten percent different oh sorry go ahead Sam no what did you say <laughs> I said ten percent different. Um, you, 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 you go because you're the one that made the decision. But I mean, you, you, you that did it. But we made the decision together. Not yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you're welcome to explain it to. Oh, well, I, I think we just thought it, you just thought it looked cool. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I just I started with the witch. I made that, and then I just I started adding purple. Uh, what do you call it? Just little pops of color there, and then I, like in my head, it was just purple was his color. I think it started because I wanted everyone to have that little gradient background that they are not gradient, but the like halftone swirl that they always use in the playbooks. And I wanted, I'd always wanted to give that a specific color to specific playbooks. And then we just decided, why don't we add that as a kind of like element to the playbooks? Uh, so it started with the witch, and then I just picked colors that were complementary, and then. Uh, it just it worked because I was like orange. It's the ace because that's you know a nice kind of fun, bright, obnoxious color, uh, and I just really liked the color scheme for the Ronin of teals and grays and charcoal. So yeah, just we just kind of it just kind of happened naturally. I just thought it'd be fun to give everyone a little spark of color. <laughs> and uh, my my thinking, bit. yeah, my my thinking was ten percent different. Uh, even though mask is is published, masks is published in the in the. Uh, uh, under a uh, attribution license, 
Um, I just thought it's distinct. Um, it it definitely grabs the eye when you're looking at a playbook that we've we've put out. Um, and yeah, ten percent different. Just you know, it's it's a it's a mark of of flair and creative a way to be at least a little creatively different than than the mass playbooks because we are using their their layout. So um, yeah. also, all of my moves are written backwards compared to um magpie i go from i go miss partial hit full hit and they go full hit partial hit miss so yeah i i I definitely noticed that i i was uh, that was honestly on on my uh on on my note sheet of of something to to bring up as as a uh whether that was a a purposeful thing and i'm is i i guess my my question then is, is is it, what other is it just the the ten percent different or was is do you think that's just a better like order um, to read the options in that that one's not a ten I mean I guess on on one hand yeah it is kind of ten percent different in that it is it is different um but I I think it's a better layout I think I think it reads better like when you're reading oh on a ten plus well. You're good. that's the rarest of the options that you're going to be choosing. So why is it before the not miss isn't most common on a on a two d six, um, a seven to nine is. Um, but don't I just don't don't you John want to read what the negatives are first and then get to the cool stuff? Like isn't that just a more natural way? I th- I think it is. Um, so that's just kind of. It started off as just that's how I wrote it, and I didn't know any different because I really wasn't basing it off of what the math stuff had um, back in the G plus days, which we talked about a little bit um, on the last interview. Um, and and by the time anyone bothered to point out that I had been doing it wrong, I had been doing it for so long that I just I don't like the way it looks the other way around. Um, so I, I I yeah, like I guess I just think it's a more natural read going from you know, full hit to par- going from partial hit to full hit, hit, hit sorry, uh, is just more sensical. It just, it seems more organic to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's counting up, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. That's exactly my thought process. You go one, six, seven, nine, ten. That just, that's how we count. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's literally, yeah. By, by the, by the time I noticed that I had been messing up, um, it was too late, and I was like, oh, actually, why would I switch back? I like it better this way. Um, and it just worked out to be 10%. So. All right, so the Witch um, is a, is a no-move uh, playbook, like the Doomed or the, uh, or the Nova. Um, That's correct. But at the same time, it's probably one of the most like modular, like customizable playbooks I have seen. Uh, there is a just such a plethora of options here. Um, what was the the design decision like? What what kind of design space were you trying to fill when, when you made the witch to to end up with this like modular like customizable playbook? Um, so I think we t- we talked a little bit about the witch Ace and the Ronin last time, but we definitely need to get we can definitely get more in depth. Uh, so I think I just kind of touched on it. Um, so what it Initially started out as an idea for the witch. I had been watching a lot of Kingdom Hearts playthroughs. Um, this three had just come out, and I really liked the idea of like the form changing that they do in that. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of like anime and, and manga, so you know it's 
kind I guess um Midiora in and uh, My Hero Academia kind of has a couple like form changes with like his cowl um and that sort of stuff. Um Chopper from uh One Piece, which when I think I've I've said in the last interview, One Piece is my favorite manga. It influences a lot of my design philosophy when it comes to GMing. Um Obviously, there's, you know, the, the ace, which we'll get to, is, is an homage to all sorts of shonen protagonists. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted a character that sort of could go from one form that was kind of under, you know, not underpowered, but not as powerful. And then, obviously, kind of like, you know, Moon, Tierra, Power, Prism Power, whatever Sailor Moon does, and then transform into, like, a Sailor Senshi or... Um, or something like that, and um, originally the witch was going to be in the Kickstarter. Um, I have an organization in that game called the Weather Report, and they kind of are built around like the Autumn Court, Spring Court, Summer Court. Um, so I originally the witch was going to have they could they could choose between a seasonal form and uh, like summer had like fire control, weather con- like lightning control, that sort of stuff. So each one. Had a form like winter would have had like ice control, um, things things like that, and it had a similar mechanic where you had the power and you like ramped up, but it was not nearly as streamlined, I guess, is a term I could use. Um, so I kind of I kind of shelved it because I was really unhappy with it, and. This happens a lot, actually, with a lot of the playbooks. Um, I know last time we talked about like the tactician as a as a playbook. I wasn't very happy with um, myself and one of our other, I, I guess, employees. Um, his name is Tom, which I talked a bit, a bit about him last time too. Uh, he does a lot of like pre pre alpha look stuff um, for the playbooks. He and I spent, I think, ten hours making the the tactician better. Um, so I do a lot of of revisement. Um, so I, I I came back to the witch because I just I want them to be the best that they can be, and it really triggers my OCD when I know I have a product that's just sitting there and it's not done. Like makes me really anxious and, and irritable thinking about it. Um, so I just came in it with an. A new, I guess, a new thought process. I I built a couple other playbooks, um, and this it, it it always happens like this where I'll I'll let it sit and then I'll go and work on something else, and then I'll come back and you know I just I just new ideas, fresh fresh ideas, fresh mind, um, new ways to look at how the mechanics are are kind of put together. Um, so I think it took me about a week to really hammer down. How the form changes worked because before it wasn't really clear how that all interacted. So I spent about a week making sure like the form change concept was solid. Uh, I went back and forth with Tom, uh, another guy we have named Dale. I went back and forth with him. Um, some people that no longer uh, are playing with us that um, that I, I kind of went back and forth on. And then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, well now what do you do with the forms? And one of my um, fellow GMs that I was working on was playing a lot of Pathfinder and a lot of 5th Ed. Um, and we were talking about how wizards and sorcerers operated in that game. And it kind of just struck me like, oh, I should base the witch's powers on like really common 
Dungeons and Dragons spells. So if you look at like um, knock, that's a pretty common spell from D and D that opens doors. Um, Glamour is just prestidigitation. Um, sending is a common cleric spell. Um, so I just kind of went down the line and thought of what's I what iconic spells can I make work in masks and have it fit the narrative. And then it just kind of came out as all the ones that they are now. Um, and then that kind of gave me an idea of like what should be constant, which kind of created the, the um, I should probably know the name off the top of my head, but we've done a lot of playbooks. Uh, so like the crests are like kind of like permanent semi-powers that you get as long as you're in the form. And then the signs are kind of like, you know, spell slots, basically. Um, and then once I started thinking about the witch as a, a Vasian caster, which is the style of magic that wizards use, uh, based off of uh, Jack Vance, I think it was his first name. Vance is his last name. Um, where, you know, you have a number of spells that you can cast each day and you forget them as you cast them. Um, that's, you know, classic D&D spell casting. Um, then, then that kind of worked backwards to make the form changes what it is now and kind of better. Um, so yeah, I think that was, that was the design process that I went through. Um, and I, th- I think that witch took two weeks. I think it's one of, the, it's definitely one of the longer ones. Um, all, all told it probably took me a m- month and a half between form one, two and, and what it is now. So, um, at base, uh, a, a witch has access to two forms. Um, uh, you, you can have you can have one really powerful form, or you can have two uh, more situational forms. Um, most of the people that have play tested it have done the two forms. I know Sam did with with Hex um, with their. Or no, did you did you do two or did you do one really powerful form, Sam? Am I misremembering? Um, this guy actually just did one. See, okay, he said, about, yeah. it was all about the construct that he. Yeah. Okay, I, I thought so. I almost said it was Ronan that did the that did the one. I knew one person had. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I think it was you. Um, yeah. Uh, currently, Tom, who I've mentioned, is playing one where um, one of his forms uh, channels the long dead soul of a samurai. So he has like swordsmanship and some really like cool, you know, um, anime style powers for you know sword wielders. And the other form is a kitsune, where he has, like, illusion powers and a paintbrush that he can paint some things on. Um, not quite like uh, Sam's delinquent that we played, um, <laughs> who has similar powers. I, I, I mentioned that just because Sam is here. Um, I'm not. But yeah, so uh, another player had, like, Viking spirits, and one was, like, an axe-wielding berserker, and the other one was, like, one of the Norns. Um, so, like, fate powers and missing an eye. Um, so yeah, people, people have been really creative. And then obviously Sam had the puppets, um, which were the forms, my, my, uh, Hex didn't change. It was the puppets that changed and kind of got infused with the power. Um, and his signature weapon was, as, as you can see in the picture, those, those daggers turn into a, um, marionette, uh, yeah, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a term for it, but a marionette's, uh, puppet controlling thing. Um, very technical. Um, so yeah, everyone, everyone's been really creative with the witch. Um, I know since we released, a couple of people have been playing them. Uh, to good effect. Obviously, people kind of have sent me messages, which is always, which is always nice. And I, I should say, 
anyone who buys our products, if you have questions, uh, you know, I uh, I have a Twitter account. You can you can you can catch me on eight thirty to awesome. Um, I'm in all the major masks discords, so you can always always hit me up. I may not respond right away, but um, I think part of the the part of the cool stuff of putting out products is getting to see and hear how people use them. So uh, yeah, I'm always happy to hear what people do um with with the stuff that that we make so yeah right um so i have a a, a bit of a, a technical question for you yeah. um so if you start with one form you get a you get two crest abilities and three signs and then you get three abilities like superpower abilities um mm-hmm. uh and then one of your advancement options is to take another form so when you take that second form is that going to be a one crest two sign form uh like as, and do you still keep your more powerful original first form or does that ha- get downgraded into a into a two form kind of split after that um so on the first question yeah it's a separate form um on the second question i think it really depends on the narrative um either yeah you keep your first form and it has all those powers or if you want to, like, you know, you can swap powers to the second form if you feel that it's appropriate in the narrative. Um, no one's done that, but no one's taken a third form, really, um, in it through advances in the playtests. Um, I, I honestly hadn't thought about that, but, yeah, I, I think the answer is if the GM is cool with you, you know, let, let's say you have elemental control, weather control, and inhuman strength and durability on your, on your one form, and you take the advance, and you choose impossible mobility... Uh, for one of your abilities for your second form, you know, for your second form, and you say, oh, well, I think in human strength and durability should go in that second form, it makes the most sense, then yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I support it. Whatever, whatever fits the narrative, that's kind of how I play things. So I think if a player had asked me that, I'd be like, yeah, it's cool with me, as long as it makes sense. All right. Yeah. I. Sorry, yeah, just my, 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 my brain just automatically goes to like weird edge cases when i when no, I stuff like it's that. it's great like i said this is the stuff that i i like answering stuff like that it's a great question because yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought of that it was it, you know when i wrote it it wasn't even a consideration that someone might want to do that so it's always good to point those sort of sorts of things out i i like seeing where people's thoughts uh outpace my own it's never a problem so at worst i have to change something or you know be better about wording the next time at, and at best, you do something cool, which that that's cool. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I noticed throughout all of these playbooks, but it, I'll talk about it here because this is the first time it shows up, is um, you use the the phrase "exchange influence" um, as a as kind of a shorthand for gaining inf- two people getting influence over each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, did you come up with that kind of? Uh, like phrasing early on knowing that you were going to be using it a lot or is that just kind of one of those things that just you you did it once and then you just kind of kept going back to it um i think there's a playbook that says that it, there is okay yeah i think i think i think that's that's just mag i try to copy magpie wording as best as i can um let me let me i mean yeah I'll keep keep asking questions but um i will i will look um yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some some moments of truth where it says exchange influence. Mm, not on the base playbook. Yeah, may, maybe not. Maybe it's in a beta playbook that I, you know, because I look, I have all the beta playbooks. 
as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, or either that or yeah, it just it, it's the I mean, it's the most sensible way of wording it anyway. I think I don't I think that's probably the most succinct way of doing it. So yeah, um, but yeah, maybe maybe it was in uh, something from Magpie, but I, I honestly don't have an answer to that one. It's just what I wrote. Okay, yeah, I I was just wondering because it. Uh, I noticed it popping up a few times, and it, it wasn't a phrase I was familiar with, so I was just wondering about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I guess um, I, it's very interesting to see the uh, like the doom being added to the witch, basically adding another set of not not moves uh, to a character who already has doesn't have moves. Uh, in base um i mean thematically it definitely makes a lot of sense but like mechanically like were you at all worried about um like having a, a player having a lot of not moves um no um mostly i got kind of bullied into adding the doomed um i really did not want to add that but basically all my pre you know pre play testers kind of were like it it needs it. It makes the most sense. Um, so I just kind of relented on that because they're they're not wrong. Um, and this this someone actually asked like, how would you if if you wanted to take a move from the witch? Um, it's not in the playbook. I thought I had included it. Um, but if if you want to take a move from the witch through play, take another move from playbook. Just take one power and you can use a sign. Obviously, the the crests and the and the form changing is kind of their unique thing. Um, so, yeah, as long as you have one one power, so yeah, kind of like hold. As long as you have, as long as you have that as in your playbook, you have one power to hold. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like an errata that I put out. Uh, just some people were asking about it. So, okay, yeah, I I hadn't actually considered that. Usually, when something uh, playbook. Just doesn't have, um, uh, you know, moves, regular moves. I just assume that the that it's kind of off limits, and you need a special yeah, I, to take it. I had I had not wanted it to be that way. I don't know what happened. I, I probably was in a document at some point, and it just got edited out when I was going through and changing stuff. Um, and I just didn't add it back in for whatever reason. Sometimes that happens. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's what happened. It was it was always my intention to let people take signs and hold one power. Um, so, yeah, and I, I there's no there are no playbooks that I've written that reference back to like gain two signs and and power and and uh, form change. Um, but there may be one day you never know. Yeah. So um, since the 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 doom is something you were bullied into, I, I'm interested to see, uh, what that uh, plot in the advancement <laughs> table was before the it, it was the doom. Oh, it was the sanctuary. Yeah, also makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um and and bully, I say I say I was bullied. I you know, I could have said no. Uh I'm I'm mostly teasing up, you know. There was no like te- you know, aggression there. It was yeah. just a lot of sanctuary makes sense, but it should be the doom given their their flavor. So, uh I rel- I relented to uh superior wisdom is is probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. So, yeah. I- I, I I will say uh uh spoilers uh for for anyone who hasn't played to the end of Kingdom Hearts 
three. Uh, but uh, adding a doom to a playbook based on Sora is very, uh, very uh, appropriate. Yep, and and Sailor Moon. No spoilers there either. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, before we we kind of move on, uh, mm-hmm. the the form changes and the uh, and different abilities for each form. Honestly, as a as a Tokusatsu nerd, just just feels very common writer to me. I don't know if that was anywhere in your thought process, but I, I, no, I figured I'd, I'd mention it. I I was never big on common writer, but I know a lot of people have actually talked about using common writer for the witch. Um, so you're you're not alone. I think maybe you're one of the people because I've seen you, you and I have talked. You and, you and I talk on Discord uh, in the in the various uh, mass areas. Uh, from time to time, and I think you're one of the people who's who has mentioned it, but you're not the only one who's mentioned it. Um, so yeah, it's it's not an inspiration that I'm familiar with, but uh, clearly it does fit because I think you're like the fourth or fifth person who said that. So okay, yeah, I just it, it just since I I know that you are making it, uh, that the the ranger is fairly like super sentai power rangers based. I I was I wasn't sure. Way, where on the um, uh, like, if that was part of your thought process at all for for the witch, and I, I just wanted to, to check in on that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it wasn't. But uh, once again, I like when people can. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it always it always makes me happy when I see people say, "Yeah," and I I have I see this inspiration here, and I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but awesome, sounds great, thanks. Uh, so. All right. Um. All right. So the next, uh, the the A in the war uh, playbooks is uh, the the Ace, which you've talked about a little bit uh, on the in our last interview. But uh, before we get into the the mechanics, uh, uh, do you want to tell me about uh, about this this character that you, that you've designed as the the iconic Ace? Uh, sure. Um, and Sam can interrupt as well uh, if he has anything to add. Of course. Um, so Sam, Sam and I, uh, Sam and Sam alluded to this. Sam and I have been playing video games for a long time. I've known Sam for 15 years now. Something like that. Something like that. Um, we met in a game called EverQuest 2 <laughs> and, um, I was in a guild called the Five Points Training Company, which is kind of where our uh, company name comes from. We're the Five Points Gaming Company. Um, or game company. Uh, I know we've kind of changed it a little bit, um, which is an homage to to that. That's kind of where we met, um, and we had kind of gone back and forth between EverQuest and WoW, um, or Sam, Sam had. I think I think I hadn't joined Sam in, in WoW yet. I think I was still playing EverQuest too because um, it's where most of the other people were back then. Uh, but then, yeah, Sam Sam and the, a couple friends came back to EverQuest. Um, and we recreated the trading company, and we had a character named Seilu, uh, as the leader, and he was a missing an arm, and I, we, we wanted to have a character who was, um, handicapable, and it just kind of sprang that we would do him, because, you know, we, not all of the characters that we have are uh, inspired by people that we've played in, like EverQuest or, or D&D or anything like uh, or things like that. Um, but this one just felt right. Um, I, I had said it as a joke, but we both were like, yeah, actually, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, but then all, all the Warbook characters would have been male. 
uh, and that was not something that we that we wanted. Um, because again, diversity is really important to us. Um, so I said, well, why don't we just do a gender flipped version of him? Um, and it came out as Celine uh, or Scoundrel, which is their their name. Um, and in a request, he the character kind of had a I don't want to say a live-in maid because it sounds a little weird, um, but a, a lady that he was fond of. Yeah, that he protected. He was kind of like a knight in shining armor kind of character, although obviously a scoundrel. Uh, so there was a lot of like you know storylines with those two. armor. Yeah. Um, so we wanted we wanted to kind of um, keep that element, and you can when we get our card out, uh, the 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 young girl is also referenced, um, and that put in my head, and I'm I'm going to have to find the name. Uh, Alana. Uh, no, the style of um, oh. Japanese. It's called uh, Sukiban. Uh, Sukiban um, is the the style of Japanese um, show that this comes from. It basically, it literally means delinquent girl or boss girl. Um, <laughs> so with this idea of like, oh well, so there's this uh, you know hot blooded kind of fighter girl protecting you know the the soft, generally kind of feminine character that's that's sukaban in like broad strokes that's basically what every sukaban um show or on or anime or manga has it's always a tough fighting girl fighting a bunch of other tough fighting girls to protect maybe the love interest it's it's a little sapphic it's um so uh we just felt that that was appropriate for the character that we were making you can actually see that they have a lesbian pin um on their lapel which i think is a great touch although i don't think it i don't think you need that to kind of get that energy off of her when we shared it in our own internal server um we had one person uh exclaim that they wanted uh to marry her um in slightly uh more graphic terms uh but that was what it boiled down to um so i i really like the ace art um obviously i like all the art that we put out but the ace i think I don't know. I I just I think favorite. Yeah, she's been a, she's been a favorite of of most people. Um and I agree. She's definitely I I love them all. They're like my children. I can't I can't pick just one, but if I had to pick gun to my head, it'd be the ace. <laughs> um so um and I and I I think she just really sells the the idea of that shonen protagonist kind of perfectly. I think I think I don't think it could look any different and and be as effective. So yeah, yeah, she definitely has has a lot of personality, uh, from like the posing, the facial expression, uh, the little details, uh, very good. Um, uh, and um, yeah, she does just have that shonen protagonist energy. Yeah, I, I'd read a manga with her as the main character any day of the week, and a, a lot of people really like the the arm that uh, the, like the shadow arm that she has. Um, so yeah, she's she's really she's really struck a chord with everyone that she's. Um, that we've sh- that I've shown her to. I, sh- I showed her to my mom, uh, and, and my mom was like, "Oh, so she's a lesbian then?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's the idea." So even people who have no idea of like these context clues have have picked up on that. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. All right, yeah. So move, moving into the the mechanics, um, the the ace, uh, uh, uh their their core uh extra is the the adversary, which is. Different from B, from the rival, it's it's a 
and, and you brought this up uh, in in your last interview that a lot of people kind of misunderstand what the the adversary is supposed to be. Um, and uh, one thing I, I I really like is that in the um, in the inspirations you you are you don't list one character you always list the character and their uh uh and their adversary which i think i yeah. think makes it a oh, lot clearer what what the what this relationship is yeah so um in the last interview I, I i was probably a little not as generous as i could have been with my my wording i i think i had said that people don't really get manga and anime in the West, and that may or may not be a, a nice way of putting it, but um, it's it's definitely a different style of relationship between the adversary and and the ace and the rival and the bull. Um, and, and a lot of people basically have a lot of people have said, oh, so the, the shonen, uh, the ace is just the bull, but anime. Um, and I think that's kind of reductionist because I, I think a lot of, especially because I think a lot of people when it comes to masks kind of drop the, you were created by science aspect of the bull. I think that goes a lot to the wayside when people are making the bull and playing them, um, which is weird to me because it's such a, it, you know, it's Wolverine. That's what the bull is supposed to be. Um, you know, as in, that's one of the inspirations and it's, it's clearly weapon X, um, and it's, it's backstory questions. Um, so I don't know why you would skip that part of the experience. Um, but in in manga and in, in, in anime, fighting is kind of a proof of existence. Um, whereas maybe in you know the X Men uh, parallel still. So uh, Summers uh, Cyclops is is obviously the rival um, with Jean Grey as the love. I, I think that's that's pretty prototypical inspiration for the bull with with Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey is that very iconic triangle uh, in Western comics. Um, and you don't really see a camaraderie between Cyclops and Wolverine until, you know, everyone's been defeated already and they have no choice. It's, it's, a very, it's very antagonistic. Um, whereas in, in anime and, and manga, the main, the main character is fighting to prove their ideals. They're, you know, it's, it's, it's very... Bushido is, is a big inspiration. So putting your ideas on the line with your life is, you know, the, the highest noble goal. Um, and your adversary is doing the same thing. Um, and, and you see a lot in, in, in manga and anime where the, the, the rival, um, because I couldn't use rival. I would have used rival uh, if it hadn't already been a term. Uh, in a core playbook, so I I just you know looked up a, in the thesaurus like what's a good pair what's a good um, synonym to use, uh, so adversary is the one that came out, um, you know they're they're foils, you know they they have similar ideals but generally speaking the the rival of the main character is willing to go further in a harmful direction than than the main character and that's in that's that's where the the divergence is they both. You know, Luffy and some of his, um, and of course I'll, I'll default to to One Piece. Luffy has a ton of of adversaries, um, but uh, the the most famous is Blackbeard, and you know Blackbeard is the prototypical pirate. You know, backstabbing, uh, lying, cheating. You know, turning people in for money and power and growth, and that's not what Luffy does. You know, Luffy wants to win on his own merits without cheating, without you know, just through his own power. But they have the same goal. Um, and, and the, the, the division between them isn't 
you know, it's it's not that they both want the same thing and they're gonna fight over it necessarily. Obviously, that's that's kind of like the the top level concept. But the the concepts of it's it's just a disagreement of how you're going about your goal. Because there are people in in Luffy's parties who also want basically what he wants, and other characters who want what Luffy wants to become the king of the pirates. And they get along fine. Obviously, there's tension and there's you know bickering and fighting because they both want the same thing. But their ideals are similar. They're not going to you know backstab their friends or you know kill people or you know that sort of stuff. So you see all these sorts of parallels throughout the entire you know um, Ichigo and um, Byakuya or or even um, man I can't even remember Ashida. Um, you know, one's a cold-blooded, you know, practical anything to get the job done, uh, but my friends are important, I have to save them, and my friends are important, but I'm not going to sacrifice my humanity to, to win the day. So it, it, it's, so that, that's really, I try to hammer that in with the adversary. It's, it's not about necessarily that the adversary is a mortal enemy. They are just you that took a different path. And that's where the the narrative and I and the drama comes from, and I think it's a good one. Um, and I and I think that's what makes them different from the bull in in a lot of ways, where the bull and the rival may not be going for the same thing. So their their rivalry is more about just showing that you're better, and I think that's just kind of service level. Um, so yeah, yeah, and uh, I think the other um, kind of. Uh... Like uh, something that's mentioned in another one of the core playbooks, the the doomed nemesis is also not the adversary, which I right, think, yeah, yeah. Also, I think I think the moves that the bull uh, and and the uh, the ace have differentiate them a lot too. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I, I was gonna get to next. I I think the 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 two like very core, very like shonen protagonist moves that I I immediately like. Yeah. Looked at him like, ah, th- this is what this playbook is about: is uh, defeat means friendship and talk no jutsu. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I I really like naming uh, moves to be kind of pithy or referential. Uh, there's also calling your attack, which you know every anime and manga and manga do. Um, yeah, friendship is the real power, and and talk no, jutsu. talk no jutsu is a mean kind of comment from uh, fairy tale and Naruto where. You know, it's just blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of text instead of fighting. And then, you know, bitter rivals that want to kill each other on the battlefield suddenly they're like, ah, I'm your best friend. Uh, so I, I really wanted to um, embody that element of, of kind of that cheesy shonen. Like, you're all we have to do is talk it out and, and hug it out and, you know, and then maybe punch each other a couple times and we're best friends. Um, so, which, I you know, the bull doesn't really have. Um, so... Friendship through fighting is, is something that the bull doesn't do that I think that the ace does really well. Um, is it does it make their character a little bit one note? Yeah, probably, but I, I think their their um, their drama really um, covers for a lot. Um, ace, the ace playbook is is one of the favorites in our playtest group. Everyone everyone who's played it has loved it, like just a hundred percent, no complaints. So. Um, and I think it's one of my better playbooks. I think if I had to pick the top top five, it would definitely be in the top five. So yeah, them them in the royal, yeah. So yeah, the um, there's a there's a lot of, of like interesting uh, things here, um, uh, especially uh, because 
I, I think with calling your attack, uh, you could theoretically hit I hit every possible um, uh, option on directly engage a threat if you uh, roll well and also had the um, the the bull and transformed moves that let you pick an additional option. Oh yeah, definitely. If if you wanted to just become the directly engaged person, uh, calling your attack in a china shop and can't remember the transformed move, then yeah, you you'd be able to pick every option even even on a miss. It's pretty pretty gross. Um, <laughs> so yeah. you won't be doing much else. You won't be doing much else uh, than directly engage. But I guess that is kind of the point of being of being the the ace. So. Um, you know, fighting, fighting through your, through your fists. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, Sam is uh, not an ace, uh, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said Sam is, Sam has not played an ace, but I hope that he does. I'd like to sometime. <laughs> yeah. Making yeah, no, the, the ace is definitely going on my list of, the, of things I would like to try to play, uh, when I, um, uh, when I get more chances to be a player, unfortunately, I've majority run oh. masks. So. Oh no, you're oh. both the chronic DM. Yeah, yeah. All the all the games that I'm in are basically stalled, except for the games that I run, because I don't let them, I let them stall. So. Yeah. Um. Can I can I point one thing out? Uh, I don't know if you want to move to the next playbook. Um, but um, the moment of truth is different for the um from the ace and that you actually get to pick another adversary kind of also in that shown. And once you defeat the, defeat the one, there's always going to be another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. No, I was, I was actually just about to, to move to the, to the back page stuff, but yeah, that's oh, cool. That's, yeah. Sorry. No, it's cool. I, I was just deciding what order to, to address these in it, but yeah, no, yeah. let's, let's talk about the moment of truth. Yeah. It's definitely, um, you, you very rarely see, uh, a moment of truth have like a mechanical interaction like that. Um, um yeah, it's it's one of several of mine. Um, the witch, I think, also has a strange interaction with their um, with their their moment of truth. Um, let me let me check that. Um, oh no, not the witch. Um, there, there's a couple. Uh, the ranger, uh, which we've talked about a little bit today. Uh, they don't have a moment of truth. They get to call their uh, giant robo once once a session um, to do stuff. Um, I'll I'll have to take a look. They're they're not playbooks that we're talking about today, but uh, messing with the moment of truth is something that I've that I've done on on three or four different playbooks at this point. So um, I think the ace was the first first one. Oh no, the royal. The royal does uh, because you get to clear a fetter on that. Uh, so the royal was the first one that I I messed around on on the uh, the moment of truth, and I liked it a lot because it's kind of just like a th- you know the moment of truth is just kind of there to take and and be cool. Um, but not a lot of people remember that there's some mechanical stuff. You get to lock a label when you, um, when you, uh, do your moment of truth. Um, so there's some mechanical side stuff to it too. And, um, as we talked about in the last interview, I like to stretch and play around with the limits of a system. So, uh, that seemed like fair, a fair place that no one at I have never seen another playbook uh, other than the ones that I've written that have, have done anything with the uh, Moment of Truth until I did it, and then I started seeing people on the Mask server start messing with the Moment of Truth stuff. Um, so I don't know if they did it because of me, but I'm going to assume it was because of me because it makes me feel better. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I'm sure they had the idea. There's a lot of very clever uh, people 
doing homebrew playbooks. So uh, I'm sure they came to that conclusion on their own. Uh, they're very smart and creative people. So yeah. I, I will make uh, one note. Um, the, there is a core playbook that does add a mechanical aspect, and that's the Doomed. The Doomed does have you mark a Doomed sign as part of your moment of truth. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, that would, I would, would imagine that they figure that that makes the most sense during playtesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Doom never gets to do anything for free. No, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would count that in the same way, like, Maybe in the in the way that the Ronin works, where you clear up, where you clear something on your on your extra mechanic, um, but the Ace just you you reset your extra mechanic, which is huge. Um, yeah. And the Ranger doesn't even have one, which is even bigger. Um, yeah. And also the vessel, the vessel is the other one that doesn't. They 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 don't. They also don't have a moment of truth. They have something completely different, um, which we can talk about if uh, we ever do another interview. Because um, <laughs> yeah, they're very interesting. So yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other, um, uh, thing I, I'm looking at the, the advancements, uh, for, for the ace, um, and they only get to pick one other move from their playbook. So they only get three of their six possible moves. Uh, uh that, that, is, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, so why, why the, the limitation there? What, what was the, the thought that, uh, about that? Um, because I think when it comes to shonen protagonists, you see them kind of adapt other people's stuff to their own powers. And I wanted them to have the bull's heart because in a lot of sense, in a lot of manga and, and anime, you see where, you know, there is a rivalry between teammates and love interests in the team, not just in the, you know, it was the adversary is not part of the team, generally speaking. Um, Bleach is, is, is kind of a different in, in that, but Bleach also doesn't have like a love triangle. Uh, but you know, you, you kind of see that in, in a lot of manga where there's a love triangle between the main character, the, the secondary character, which I guess you could call the Lancer. That's kind of a trope that they use and the love interest. Um, so I wanted, I wanted them to have the bull's heart and I wanted them to be able to gain another ability because that's a big thing in, in Shonen 2, kind of expanding your powers and learning new powers and, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so I couldn't have both without removing something and that just happened to be an extra move. Um, and I think that's a better balance, um, because you get a move with the bull's heart. So you're not really losing out on a move. You're just losing out on having four of your six playbook moves. So that was, that was a thought process. Yeah, no, that's, uh, definitely like, I hadn't considered the the idea that that a lot of shonen protagonists kind of learn from from other people rather than like kind of just progressing within their own. Uh, um, like yeah, de build. definitely. Um, Luffy's a lot of Luffy's powers are based off of uh, the Impel Down arc, fighting all the assassins. Um, Ichigo learns a lot of his like powers from other people because he kind of is a chameleon in a way like that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty common trope of adapting enemy attacks into your own attack styles in, in manga and anime. So, I, ideally, if, if, I were, if I were playing uh, the ace, I wouldn't choose uh, gaining another ability until I'd beat my first adversary, and I would have picked an ability that they had that I didn't share. But that's just me. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, um, oh, I, there was one last thing I, I was 
um, on the the defeat means uh, friendship move. Uh, it, it seems uh, it was really interesting to me that you specify the the it is only an additional option when you make a hit uh, because like for most playbooks that's that's not an issue, but because calling out out your attacks and uh, the and, and the possibility of doing the 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 all all of my all of my moves are are to you know make my directly engage better. It's uh there there there's a distinct possibility that as as an ace you you might be able to pick an option without making a hit on directly. Yeah, engage. I'm I'm always really mindful. Um, and you'll you'll I I I would really recommend you look at the the tactician again. Um. To see just how, how how very careful I am that people can't just abuse wording in the stuff that I write. I'm very meticulous um, in stopping just like runaway uh, gankery. I guess um, is a term I could use. Um, so yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff like that in in my playbooks because I I know a lot of the moves just like in my head and their interactions because I've been playing the game for so long and I've been building so many playbooks for so long. Um, so yeah, I take into account all the moves that I write. I'm, you know, if people, if people can find a way to bust a, a playbook, especially the tactician, good, good on you. Cause I work really hard to make sure that every interaction is sensible and fair and, and won't make the GM pull their hair out because I'm always a GM and uh, you know, I, I worry about that sort of stuff. So, yeah. any 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 time a label is the same, that's when I start looking at like, okay, is this a, this is a, this is a similar move to this? Oh, they share a label. <laughs> I should probably really look into that and make sure that it's not just completely ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of the effort that I put in, and a lot of time that gets put is is spent uh, making playbooks at this point because. I can I can write a playbook in an hour if I absolutely have to. Um, I've done it a couple times. So, and drunk. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. I think we specifically talked about this uh, in your last interview. The uh, uh, Tulpa I wrote uh, completely hammered. Uh, I had four tall boys that day. Uh, so, yeah, don't know how I did it. Uh, shouldn't be saying this in front of Sam. Uh, I think I, I think you might. I heard the interview. <laughs> Oh, did you? oh yeah, you did listen. Um, so yeah, I don't want to get scolded too much. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I was completely plastered that day, and I was like, oh, I'm writing a playbook, and then I just slapped the keys for a little while, and it just came out, and I was amazed because by the time I got a playbook that you're very proud of, yeah, it was very good. So <laughs> don't remember most of writing it, but uh, I had fun. So that's what matters. It came to you in a vision. Yeah, I mean, it really. I, I can't, I really did. It took me, it could, it really did take me about an hour. And I, I think it's one of my most mechanically complex playbooks because your imaginary friends have influence and they have backstory and they have relationship questions and they matter mechanically. It's, it's a very mechanically complex playbook. I don't know how it came out actually working. I showed it to a couple people and they're like, wow, this is one of your best ones yet. And I'm like, yeah, really? And they're like, yeah. They're like, how long did this take you? And I was like, oh, I was drunk and it took me an hour. And they're like, well, if it worked, I guess, but it hasn't worked since. Uh, so, um, stroke, stroke of lightning. Uh, can't, can't bottle it. Mm -hmm. All right. Nice, you know. 
well, uh, to, to distract Sam from being disappointed in you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're teasing him and he's teasing me. We're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, let, let's move on uh, to the Ronin. So mm-hmm. um, so uh, before we get get into the mechanics, uh, tell me about this person. Who Who is the, the, the uh, this uh, iconic Ronin that you've uh, got for us? Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sam. No, you go. No, you go. I've been talking a lot. You go. <laughs> well, first, you say his name. Uh, his name is Zhuahi. He's Chinese. Uh, so, yeah. He's a, bit, a bit of a... Yeah, he's yeah. popped up. He's been. He's often been the like a background character that I've gone to with a couple characters. I mean, he was originally actually created by Kyle. But he's often been the best friend of a couple of my characters. I think in some version, uh, Hex knew him as well. And the character I play in Kyle's main game, that's his, basically, Catwoman. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Shura is, um, gosh, I don't know where to start. Yeah, he's just been in so many iterations of stories we've had, but he's usually, unfortunately, been relegated to the background as you know, someone's friend or contact or something. But he's usually kind of in this gray area of he's someone's protege and, like, you know, me, like, is he a hero? Is he a villain? We're not sure. But, uh, yeah, he just kind of he kind of ended up being our, our Ronin. He had been someone's protege, but he usually kind of ends up being going his own way and being on his own. But he is definitely formidable on his own. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you want to add anything, Kyle? Oh, uh, his, uh, his hero name is Tumult. Yeah, Tumult. Which is very, uh, on point for him. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he kind of is a spoiler, I guess. He, oh, you never know quite what you're going to get with him. How he, yeah. he you know. Like, and yeah, Cat, Catwoman is a good parallel with, with, with him. Is he, is he going to help out? Is he going to betray you at the last minute? Probably not, but... He may also not help you escape the cops. You know, he'll he might <laughs> save your own skin. Um, yeah. So. In that main game, he was he is the best friend of the character I play, and he helped my protege get out of like become a protege. Actually, he helped him get to where he is now. And you know, he was without tumult, my character would never have been able to become the hero he is. But at the same time, there's a lot of tension, <laughs> and and tumult has also been yeah. Uh, I not good influence in some scenes. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, is it tumultuous? Yes, he's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So never quite sure if the, if his appearance is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, um, the art that we did for him, um, is actually a reference to the art from Sam's character in my main play by post game. It's called uh, After Dark, um, and his his character has an oni mask. Um, and I had found a really cool picture of, like, a serpentine Oni mask, and I was like, oh, we should totally do this for the Ronin art. It'd be really cool if we used Jirwa, uh here to to be the Ronin, because that's kind of what he is. Um, and uh, we do, like, little guidance, like, little side stories that kind of, like, fill in parts of the story that aren't on camera, um, and kind of the one that we have with, with Tumult and uh, Tsunami is uh, Sam's character's name is that they get the masks from, like, a, a mask collector who uses, like, 
empowers them to summon elementals and you know they have you know the the classic you know magic mask sort of dealer um so they stole them from from him so they both have these two magic masks um so that's you know kind of a, a connection point with the mask um so yeah that that's kind of what inspired the art um let me let me get the guy's names i i feel like we should mention him um Hanya? let me let me find no, Hanya's the villain. I'm talking about um, the artist that we kind of used oh, to yeah. kind of get some inspiration. Um, Not a good, good inspiration from that guy. Yeah, let, let me let me find his name real fast. Uh, his name is Mitch Divider on on Twitter. Um, he's a freelance concept artist and comic artist. Um, he's doing a manga called Project Project Divider. Um, he has a really cool urban samurai feel um to a lot of his characters and that's kind of the style that my setting has kind of like urban samurai obviously with the, with the manga ins- inspiration um so i just you know a lot of a lot of his art i would is in our inspiration folder um obviously we 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 do a really really good effort in making our stuff look different and making our stuff look like our stuff or i should say sam does that i don't do any of the art that's all sam <laughs> Um, so speaking as a company, um, but Sam, Sam does a really good job of really putting his own style. And I think it's a very distinct style. Um, so that, but you know, it's still inspiration, still kind of hoodies and duffel bags and samurai swords and, you know, belts and, and, you know, kind of a little, a little edgy, I guess is a term. Um, it was my idea to give them the Gata that he has. Those are the sandals that he has. Um, but other than that, that was all all Sam. Um, so it's nice to him, you know, be his own main character finally. Yeah, yeah. It's the first, even though even though Jura has has been a been a character for twelve years in in various role play games and Dungeons and Dragons games, it's the first time he's ever had a name for him. Um, so that was exciting for me. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's very spirited and stubborn and a bit fiery. Yeah, but also very. But he's like, he can be quite sneaky. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to have like you know that kind of like ninja samurai aesthetic, but also modern because he's a you know a very modern sort of forward thinking, fashion thinking kind of kind of person. Um, so you can kind of see that in the art where you know everything's kind of smooth and gray and and kind of. Nouveau kind of French coordinated look, but also he's got the Gaeta and the mask and the samurai sword and the Japanese style bow. Um, so, um, in in game, he actually has a um, a pet falcon that he uses. That's one of his. He doesn't have superpowers. You know, he's all all technical stuff. Um, but he has like a a hawk that he uses to help snipe. Um, but we didn't put that in, obviously, in the art. Um, that would be too much too much stuff going on for him there. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, moving on to the more mechanics side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I definitely see the the kind of protege esque inspiration on the uh, on the abilities list. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a, a question of what is the difference between impossible movement and impossible mobility. So I get this one a lot, actually. Um, so to my mind, um. Impossible impossible movement is like yeah, phasing through walls, wall crawling, um, that sort of stuff. Impossible mobility for me is like super speed. 
Um, it, 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 movement is is def- like being able to go different places. Mobility is being able to like moving. Um, so like vector manipulation would be a good concept for impossible mobility. Like reducing friction on your feet so you slide would be impossible mobility. Anything that changes the way that you move would be impossible mobility. Uh, like anti gravity, but um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, but movement would be. You could even do like telekinesis with movement. It doesn't necessarily have to be physical movement. Um, so that's where the difference for me is. Impossible movement um, is not necessarily moving you. Impossible mobility is how you move. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. That's that. That definitely makes sense. That's. Yeah. Uh, I I was really. Um, it, it just stuck out to me as two yeah. very similar things. But I, I I know that you don't tend to do things by accident. So I I was interested to know. Oh. What you're I don't know about here. that, but uh, I try not to, uh, but sometimes they happen. Uh, yeah, it's just movement and mobility are two different concepts, and I guess. Uh, definitely there's there's parallel, um, and I can see where the confusion would be. But yeah, mo- movement is just anything that moves in, in and around you. Um, to point to one piece, uh, there's a character called Trafalgar Law, and he kind of creates a zone around him. And he can like dice people up and rearrange them. Like he can like chop everyone into pieces, like cut their legs off, cut their torso, and cut their head, and they're still alive. And he can put everyone's he- different people's heads where legs or arms are supposed to go. That to me would be impossible movement. Um, whereas impossible mobility again, vector manipulation, um, reduce, which is kind of kind of um, reducing friction. Um, I, I should probably not talk in like code, um, but yeah, that that sort of stuff um, is it, it super speed, um, and yeah, uh, water walking and it would be impossible mobility things things like that. Anything, yeah, I, I guess I already answered. Sorry, I'm 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 kind of repeating myself. Anything that affects you is mobility. Anything that affects anything around you while still including you is kind of mo- uh, movement. So yeah. But yeah, the, definitely the ability is kind of you have a broad ranging ability from your mentor, and then you have your own skills that you've kind of developed on your own. Um, so yeah, and I guess fa- phasing is probably maybe uh, a little redundant with impossible movement, um, but um, phasing doesn't necessarily have to be physical phasing. Um, so yeah, the the one I thought you were going to ask was like flow state, um, because that's another one that people kind of don't know what that is. Um, like, it's like a void mind, like, you just empty your mind and you just move. Um, I'm sure there's a, a scientific term for that, like, auto-movement or something. Um, you know, just, you, you sense the world around you, and you move with the movements of the air currents and people's body movements. So it's, 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 it's autonomous moving, um, which is very common in, like, anime and, and manga and, and any kung fu film. Um... So, like, Drunken Master style fighting is is kind of like a flow state where you're just, you're so in tune with your own body and the world around you that you don't have to think to move. Your body just does it in a natural way. Yeah, sorry. I I, I didn't bring that up because, like, that makes sense to me, but that just might be yeah. the kind of nerd I am, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know if you were going to bring that one up, but I was, I was prepared for it um, because, like I said, a lot of people are like, I have no idea what this even is um so that's what that is for people wondering um 
and pressure point fighting, I think most people could kind of gather that, like, Ty, uh, Ty Lee from from Avatar, which I think Sam has been watching Avatar. Or did you, did you finish the full series? I know you hadn't finished Korra. I haven't finished Korra, but I did finish. Okay. Yeah, like, Ty Lee and her anti-bending, that's kind of pressure point fighting. Um, Vulcan mind, uh, Vulcan uh, mind pinch or whatever that's called. I'm not really a <laughs> sci-fi person. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's, that's the sort the of stuff pinch. that they... The neck pinch, thank you. Um, you can take my nerd card because I don't know Star Trek. Um, so yeah, the 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 Ronin's abilities are are all very like you know very anime inspired, very manga inspired um, for the most part. So, and obviously they have like luck manipulation, which um, Hex from Team Titans kind of had that. Or what was her name? Hex, whatever her name was. Um, I think that's what her name was. But there's characters like that in American comics where they can manipulate luck. What uh, Domino? That's a good. That's a good one from Deadpool. Uh, not just the movie, but the character in general. Luck manipulation is obviously, and I, I would even say Domino would be a good ins- inspiration if I didn't even put her on. I might not have even put her on the list. Um, but Domino would be a good a Western comic style character for a Ronin. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that kind of uh, brings us. Uh... Uh, kind of directly into the um, the the main um, extra for the playbook, the the risk and reward. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Ronin is a the Ronin is another playbook that kind of got repeated reworks on its extra. Um, I wanted a gambling mechanic because um, Fistful of Dollars style wanderers would be a good uh, Ronin. Ozzy, there's um. Oh, why can't, the Magnificent Seven. Um, if you're familiar with that, it's a uh, Western remake of Seven Samurai, uh, which I I made Sam sit down and watch all of Seven Samurai. Um, which it's a very long film. Um, so, and they're all you know, Ronin, all kind of you know, not you know, masterless drift drifter fighters for a good cause. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of like a. Uh, a western slash samurai is very similar themes in those two kinds of movies. Um, at least back in the day, you don't really see a lot of samurai movies or a lot of western movies uh, made nowadays. Um, but yeah, I wanted a gambling mechanic. Um, and originally, they had like a token system where you could ante up, obviously, uh, part of the, the card gambling theme. Um, and you could spin a roulette wheel, basically, and spend tokens on spinning it, and you'd get various effects. And it didn't really work very well. It kind of didn't flow very, very well with the mechanics. Um, and I think one of the more shrewd things I've ever done mechanically is give inf- give influence to things that shouldn't have influence. Um, obviously, it kind of takes your takes some time to wrap your head around because it's a very strange concept. Um, I have a run in a play uh, playing in a voice game right now. Um, and even as a GM running it as the person who made it, sometimes it's a little weird to say, oh, and luck took influence over a teammate. Um, <laughs> other playbooks, like the Tulpa, there's influence. The Vessel also has kind of like untethered influence. Um, and theirs is a little easier, I think, to, to run, um, just because it's it's a little more clear. Like, luck isn't really a thing, whereas the Tulpa kind of has imaginary friends, and you kind of have an idea about that. The Vessel, obviously... As, is the Phoenix Force. So there's there's kind of a character there with thoughts and feelings and opinions that you can kind of key off of. But Luck's not real. 
It's not a character. It's not a person. It's a concept. And it's been a, it's been a little difficult, uh, but really rewarding. Interestingly enough, uh, that's the risk and the reward in the con in in the GM side stuff. Um, when it does does work, we actually just had it last session uh, ha- work, and it really helped out. Um, so the idea is luck kind of has influence over you, kind of like you're riding with luck. You know, it's in you know you got your ace in the back pocket. Um, and you can re-roll moves, which is kind of strange for Powered by the Apocalypse games. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's a little abusable. Um, the, the player that I have is, uh, uses it a lot, uh, which is great because it's really shown the limits of, of what happens. Um, it's got a pretty good defeater in that you mark conditions and you, you, so you can't keep doing it. Um, and they, they've marked four conditions and, and really, you know, really, you know, won the day, they've done a really good rolls, um, but you also kind of miss out on XP if you're always rolling for a hit. Um, so there's 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 balance. I, I shouldn't say it's it's abusable in, in a in a bad way. Um it's a, it's abusable in the way that I want it to be abusable, where it's it is a risk. You keep 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 pushing your luck, keep pushing your luck, and eventually it's gonna blow up in your face because the the odds are gonna be against you at some point. Um so it worked it works as intended. It's abusable in the way that it uh gambling is abusable um and gambling's an addiction and i feel like i should mention that uh if you have a gambling addiction get help um no good um so yeah it it works as intended which is is always nice um when you're playtesting um so yeah it it's uh, it's an interesting mechanic i don't think any other playbook has anything quite like it even in mine even though there's similar mechanics to it in other playbooks they just they're just completely different with the same same concept so it's pretty cool yeah yeah no it uh it's very uh interesting i uh so I, as uh for moves ace is high uh gets a lot of use yeah yeah no that's um it's a lot of use yeah uh it, it it's it very much also kind of feels like the the kind of anti be mindful of your surroundings from the protege, uh, yeah, in in a lot of ways. Um, as it just as a GM note, you need to be really careful on what you allow the the, the Ronin as a player to choose for that, because um, uh, it can it's it's very open ended. Um, so I've I've had Ronins be like, oh well, my friend and I are fighting. Should the, can that count? No, that can't count. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the moves that if I were to go back, I like the move and I I don't see a re- I don't see a need to, to rewrite it, but I think if I were going to go back and rewrite the run in a little bit, uh I'd probably tighten up Ace's high um just so it's not quite so easy to use in every situation. It's it's very much like a um are you watching closely move. It can fit pretty much everywhere and it's always good to roll. Um so yeah. Mhm. The idea was that when you enter a scene uh, and you aren't hedging your bets, um, you would roll that, and then the narrative would would spill out from there. But um, it probably it probably should read in the the first time in a scene when you enter a dangerous situation with no plan or trick up your sleeve. That would probably fix a lot of the problems. But uh, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, it's 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 still not as powerful as it could be. So I'm not too worried about people abusing it. Um, as long as the GM is aware that it's, it's, it's got a, it's got a hair trigger as they say. Uh, so, 
Also, I really like the There Will Be Blood move. That's one of my favorite moves. Um, I like any move that messes with re- uh, re- the reject roll. So the next move I wanted to talk about was We Are Mercenary. Can you tell me a bit about that? Oh, whenever a civilian comes to you for aid, you may lose influence over a teammate to take plus one for ongoing until the task is done. When you assist the civilian or civilians in question, you may roll plus danger when standing in their defense instead of plus uh, savior, which it doesn't say, but that's inferred. Yeah, that yeah, that is inferred. Um, so, uh, for uh, so what what is the the like, what is your your thinking for the for this move? Because it seems to be like a very specific situation that it, it's kind of laying out. And I'd be interested to like in it, like where you, where you came to this from. It's it's definitely more niche, but I'm thinking since the drama of the Ronin is that you're kind of on the outskirts of heroing. When a civilian comes to you that can't get help from anybody else, um, did I maybe I put that in there in the GM section, but maybe I didn't. No, I don't think I did. Um, yeah, the the idea is like when kind of like in the noir films when the person who's at the end of their rope and hasn't been able to get help from anybody else. That's kind of like why you, you lose a um, influence on a teammate because you're, you're helping someone who the team probably wouldn't help. So you have to kind of go it alone, which hence we are mercenary showing that you, you may or may not always be alongside the team in their decisions. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my thinking or, or when like someone who's a villain could probably even trigger it. Um, but yeah, as long as you're, as long as you're helping someone that the team has otherwise rejected helping, um, that's what it's there for. Even you know when when you're not in agreement with with the team, which as a Ronin you you should have you should be at odds with the team sometimes um, because you're on the outskirts. You're not really you know you're not a villain or anything like that, but you're not part of hero society on you know on good terms since you abandoned or were abandoned. So that's yeah, that's my thinking. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's interesting. I I I didn't uh, I I definitely see how that kind of fits in with the the Ronin uh, general themes. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely their more niche move. Um, but I try to put some moves in that can prompt narrative. Um, because I feel sometimes GMs need need a little bit of help on that. Um, so that's kind of there if, if, if you want, if you want to play up more of, I, I hate calling it lone wolfing because that has negative connotations, but if, if you really want to play up that, like I'm on the outskirts of society and I'm willing to take darker jobs or jobs that may be dangerous that people, you know, know are dangerous, I, it's there for that style of play. Um, so my first run in, uh, play tester took it and it was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. so Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of move that's like a signal to 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 your your GM saying, "Hey, hey, this is the way I want to play my character." Yeah, and I I think um, dereliction of duty also is in in that kind of sense when when you call out a hero. So it's do you, do you want to be more proactive or do you want to be more do you want to be more proactive in helping people or do you want to be more proactive in reforming hero society and finding your place in it? So. Obviously, having both would be really good, but if you had to choose one or the other, you know, there's there's several kind of inbuilt track lines for the player through the moves, which I think moves should sort of help give you an idea of what the the, the play style is supposed to be. Um, 
But not that you can't change that, obviously. I think it's really cool when people subvert those, uh, as we've talked about. But yeah, so that's that. That's pretty much the the, the thinking. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I I see the uh, like there will be blood kind of works a lot with dereliction of duty, mm-hmm. and it kind of piggybacks off of um the delinquent move that just gives you a flat plus two. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So if you really want to go hardcore, just being a verbal, you know, badass, take both of those and, you know, you can knock people, knock NPCs out of the scene even, um, or, you know, make them use villain moves or hero moves. Um, so this is obviously when a uh, villain or hero marks a condition, NPC marks a condition, they, they act, act immediately to clear it. So, um, so yeah, really, it, it kind of changes the, the paradigm between player and, and uh, GM. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm all for that. Because I think it's more fun when it's a conversation. That's why you see a lot of moves uh, of mine that say um, on a hit, or on a miss, the GM tells you. On a hit, you tell the GM. Um, a couple of the Magpie people did a lot of twi- uh, Twitter, I guess, discussion. Uh, and so did uh, Vincent Baker, the guy who made the, made Powered by the Apocalypse system, um, about like how moves should be framed and how they should be used and when they should prompt and what they should prompt. Um, so I, I follow uh, Baker's blog um, and I read every update and I, I take a lot of notes because um, I want people to take a look at our stuff and say, yeah, that's as good as the, the legit stuff. Um, you know, my, my, my goal is when people talk about core mask material, they talk about the war book. They'll talk about the worst generation. They'll talk about any of the products that we put, you know, put out alongside the the stuff that's made by Magpie. Obviously, we're not endorsed by Magpie. We're not uh, um, affiliated with Magpie. We're completely independent. We're just two fans of the game system doing our doing our thing. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's every creator's um, desire to be seen equal in parallel to um the, the stuff that they're working alongside so yeah i mean uh, there's nothing wrong with striving for quality right yeah and i i as you know i'm i'm generally um don't really like talking well about the stuff that i work on uh, in the last you know last interview i i think i even said like i can't find joy in the work that i do i can only find joy in the people that that enjoy the work that i do um you know obviously uh i i I, it sounds it sounds cynical, um, and I, I feel like I should probably correct that. I enjoy what I do. I like sitting down and I like writing content. But if I didn't have anyone to show it to, I probably wouldn't do it. Um, it's you know it's the desire to be recognized for for making something, and also that sort of like that anxious voice saying it's not good enough. That's that 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 scale, um, and Saying that, I, I think some of my playbooks are as good as Core, and I actually think some of my playbooks are better than the materials that were put out outside of Core. Like I, 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 I think my Royal is is as good as any playbook that was put out in the Halcyon Herald. Um, I, I think, and and the Royal is kind of my baseline quality indicator. Um, so, I, I think all of the three pl- books that we put out for the War Book are as good as any of the Core books. So, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll defend that in a court of law if I have to, <laughs> or to the death, 
Um, I think I think we put out a really good product. I think our art is definitely on par with prof- people that are doing. I mean, we are doing it professionally. We're we're asking for money. Um, so I I think I think our quality is is high and that yeah. I tooting my own horn makes me uncomfortable, but I I stick to it. I think we've I think we put out a really good product. Um, despite some of some of the the hiccups, uh, because we're we're only human. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm fixing those now, um, and Sam is fixing those now. Um, so, oh, did I? Did I okay, cool. Um, so yeah, we uh, yeah, strive strive to be better. Yeah, no, um, that's that. I, I I definitely will say that. Um, uh, generally speaking, I'm I'm probably like when if someone asks me like, what's a good example of someone putting out a like a. a pl- like a fan playbook for masks, I will probably say, check out the war book. It's, it's the, it's, it's honestly like, I've seen a lot of fan playbooks, uh, just doing this interview series and the quality on the war book is probably the highest I I've seen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, but yeah, um, like, I think you've gone in. Oh, go ahead. 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 Sorry. Oh, I, was nope, saying, I think nope. we have a little head start. Sam is legit a professional graphic designer um, by day, uh, so I think that probably gives us an edge over a lot of the people who are are probably not graphic designers. I, I would, if I was just doing this on my own, I don't think anyone would take notice of any of my stuff. Sam has seen the stuff that I've done internally for the uh, Monster Trainer game that we're working on, which I'll just plug right here. I spent two like I've been, like I said before we started recording. I spent two weeks working on it. It's amazing, and I'm really excited for people to see it uh, when it's out of uh, beta testing because uh, I think it's gonna blow people out of the water. Um, but I also did a PDF for my playtesters, and it's crap. <laughs> uh, so um, I I am very lucky that I have Sam uh, because. They're they're a wizard. They they do stuff that blows my mind every day. When it you know just with their quality. So I'm I'm alongside everyone else when they look at the the war book um, and go, holy crap, that looks professional. Because I wake up every day and, and take a look at our stuff and I go, holy shit, where this this is something that we made. It is it, I I put out the product on Friday and I was just numb for the entire like I couldn't even enjoy that we were making sales on it because I was just so numb because I was so overwhelmed by the fact that we have a product out. So um, it's a good place to be, I think. Sorry, I interrupted what you were going to say, though. Go ahead. Please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to uh, say that um, uh, I think a lot of the the, the rest of the Ronin uh, just, I, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. It looks pretty self-explanatory uh the uh is there anything else you'd want to highlight for it before we we kind of wrap up talking about these playbooks um i i definitely think of the three i a lot of people have criticized that the war that the witch is not very masks which i disagree with um i i think the push for knowledge and be you know kind of skirting the danger line on knowing too much. I think that's just a human thing, um, but definitely in a teen thing, like always pushing yourself, like the AP student who's, you know, taking uppers so they can study more and get good grades and get into a good college. That's 
prime witch drama right there. Um, maybe that's not a drama that a lot of people have experience with. Um, I went to a uh, high school where there was a lot of drug use, uh, and not drug use just because of, you know, regular just wanting to get high. I mean, they were taking a, they were taking basically amphetamines to, you know, stay awake and study because all of our AP classes were college level and we were, you know, juniors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's just the pressure. And not everyone, like I said, not everyone has that experience, but that's what I went in thinking of On the Witch. Um, I, yeah, I, we've already kind of talked about the ace. A lot of people say, oh, well, it's just the bull. I think anyone who listens to this interview, I, I hope, will see that that's not the case. Um, there are some parallels between the fighting and the, and the rival and the, and the adversary in, in, in a kind of, kind of way, but I think if you, if you enter the ace with the mindset of playing a shonen protagonist, which not everyone obviously does, because, you know, not everyone's into anime and, and manga, um, I, but I think if you know those tropes, I think it, it will play differently, um, and yeah, the Ronin is the one that most non-people on the Discord, like people on Reddit that we've shared it with, um, they're more like, yeah, the Ronin actually makes sense as a playbook that they probably should have been in court. The idea of a lost mentor and kind of being on the outside and being a pariah is a teenage issue um, and teenage drama. And that was, you know, that was the thought process going into um, the Ronin. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's the one. It, it's it, it's been interesting to see which playbooks of the three that we've put out, and obviously we we could talk a little bit here in closing about the Kickstarter and and the stuff that we will be putting hopefully putting out here soon. Um, it's just, it's it's been interesting to see how people inter inter interface. Obviously, a lot I I've had a lot of feedback from the Masks server and the official Magpie server and Hackslash Roll. I post a lot of stuff on there. Um, and I've got a lot of feedback on a lot of my stuff. Um, and now that it's out in the ether and seeing people who are maybe not in those circles, kind of on the outside of those in-groups, how they interface, where, whereas in the main mask server, I think the witch is probably the favored on, on the unofficial mask discord. Um, and the ace is really popular on our, our internal discord. Um, and... Yeah, and also uh, the Ace, I think, is probably the favorite one on Hackslash Roll from all the people who have mentioned it. Um, and the Ronin is just kind of, yeah, anyone outside of those circles, the Ronin is, has been the favored. Um, and that's kind of surprising. I really thought that, um, really thought the Witch would get a lot more love outside of uh, the Discords. Um, just the art is really cool, and I guess edgy maybe is a term. Hopefully Sam doesn't find that uh, offensive. Um, oh, he's filthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the witch really has not made a splash outside of the outside of the discords. Um, whereas the Ronin and, and the Ace, to a lesser extent, have. Um, and that, yeah, that really, I, the Ace didn't surprise me. I figured that would probably be the secondary favorite for people who are not in the in the, I guess, hardcore masks areas. Um, but yeah, the Ronin, I thought the Ronin would be the one that was least liked by everyone, even though I like the Ronin a lot. I like them all a lot, but yeah, just interesting, interesting uh, to see. So, but yeah, I think of the three, the Ronin is probably the, and, I, and then the reason I think the Ronin is most liked by people outside of the hardcore mass stuff is the Ronin's really approachable. 
Um, even though anti-up or risk and reward is a, a strange mechanic, um, the drama is more Western, uh, and I think that helps a lot. And I, I just think in general, um, it's just, it's more approachable because the moves aren't so weird. Whereas the witch is really mechanically complex, and it really takes a lot of investment. Um, I can I can see why people are like, yeah, that's okay, but you know, it's it's really. You know, you really have to want to play someone like that to want to play the witch. Um, so, any any thoughts from you there, Sam? Sounds right. <laughs> um, yeah, and just just so everyone knows, uh, and you don't have to edit. Uh, we we've been talking about some stuff uh, because of uh, the stuff on our uh, page on itch, which is five point games itch. Um, just a plug. Uh, we have uploaded uh, some changes to the Ronin. Uh, which also obviously has changed the war book. Um, obviously, follow us on itch uh, because you will know you will be notified that you, those those changes have happened. Um, and I will I will be tweeting and uh, sharing uh, in the the various areas after uh, the uh, the interview that we've updated those. Uh, so yeah, so if if you've bought it, uh, re-download it. If you haven't, buy it <laughs> uh, and enjoy it. All right, uh, so um, you've uh, mentioned it briefly uh, a couple times, and uh, you mentioned it uh, last, uh, during the previous interview, uh, but you, you have a Kickstarter coming up sometime in the, in the future? Yeah. Um, we don't have a definitive date, because there's a lot of stuff to do, um, but we've now obviously moved on to doing that stuff. Um, I'm in talks with an editor, and I really need to get him some stuff so that we can continue to be in talks with an editor. Um, our plan is to release two of the six playbooks and one of the five playsets out as a teaser. Um, obviously, we're only going to be putting that out for as long as the Kickstarter runs. Um, we've talked about maybe contacting people, uh, and if you're interested, John, because I know you guys run mask, uh, Masks games, the playset is designed to be a one-shot, um, so if you guys maybe want to run that one day, I can send you a copy of our little teaser before we get the Kickstarter out when it's done, um, if you're interested. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else what else to plug here. Um, I can just go down the list. Uh, so it is my setting we've talked about, which is San Francisco, which is kind of a Studio Ghibli meets Hellboy kind of inspired setting. Uh, with more magic and obviously the manga aesthetic, um, it doesn't have uh, Aegis um, because originally I had been told that you can't produce stuff with Aegis or Aegis, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, I actually talked to um, Magpie about what can be and what can't be put in under Creative Commons. Um, as long as you don't specify any characters by name, you can you can still mention a uh, Aegis. Uh, but we just worked around that. In my setting, uh, there's legal villainy. There's a group called the Five Warlords. Um, so they're kind of like a mafia uh, style, you know, racketeering and that sort of stuff. And, you know, the city kind of looks the other way. Um, there's kind of like a daimyo style um, clan-esque group of heroes. Um, it's a little different in the let's play or the the last place the play the play by post games that we're doing that's not quite that flavor but i've i've kind of reworked some of the the flavor uh for the book um so you know there's there's leaders of each like little section of the city and then they have junior members that they kind of serve underneath them and 
you know, so there's there's one daimyo and then a bunch of samurai underneath them is is the theme. Um, and the city has a bunch of ley lines, which is a concept from sort of like new agey stuff. They're like energy lines that run across the world, um, and they like they pool in places. So that's kind of like how mana exists in the setting. Um, but it acts as a sort of entryway to the multiverse. So there's kind of like some D and D stuff going on there because I really like like urban fantasy. Um, so there's different planes um, that you can access through the ley lines. And there's a group called the Weather Report, which we kind of touched on uh, talking about the witch. Um, and they kind of handle all the the weird magic stuff. Um, the city's kind of basically, I guess, the best way to put it is it's like Seattle, Vancouver. San Francisco, obviously, just from the name. So a, a very West Coast liberal city. Um, I had never heard this term, but I guess there's a, a term called solar punk, where um, like nature and green energy kind of is built into the aesthetic, and I guess it's semi-utopian. Um, I don't think our setting is very utopian. It's really corrupt. Uh, obviously, you've got these three powerful groups, and they kind of want to keep the status quo, which is why the book is called The Worst Generation. All the teens are kind of like breaking the status quo, so... You're kind of, you know, meddling kids. Um, so all that information will be in the book. The first two chapters are basically just kind of detailing what the city has in it, kind of a little bit of the history. The second chapter is like 100 NPCs that if you want to use in the game, um, you can use them. They're, they're pre-generated. They have their entire history going from whenever they started being active to modern day, um, their powers and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and then I wrote two different rules for Shonen-style tournaments. One is a Firebrands or um, Kissing Capes-style dialogue trees, where the GM and players kind of ask questions back and forth. Um, I did that with a dance mechanic, too, in one of our playtests that might be coming out uh, with another product that we, are, we really can't talk about right now because it's really uh, early stages. Um, but we are working, obviously, on not just new content for that that's unique to us but there's other mass content that we're there that we're working on that i can't really share um because again it's not done yet um so yeah there's two rules for that another one is kind of like a rock paper scissors game which i've i've um play tested extensively with with uh, our own server and people love it sam actually got to play uh in that play test with that rule set uh, and i think you had a lot of fun with your brother and a couple yeah. of our other playtesters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I think I think it's really fun. I think it really adds uh, some really interesting depth to the PvP elements of uh, masks because there's not really very good PvP rules. Um, I wrote two new moves for each core playbook. Um, included more inspiration from manga and manhwa and uh, you know Wuxia films and that sort of stuff to get you know get people in the mindset of the, the different aesthetics. Um, new power selection for every core book to kind of keep in line with that. Like, the delinquent has, like, ninja magic, like, ninjutsu as, as a choice. Um, a, couple other, a couple other, like, shonen-style moves. Um, so a lot of, of player-side stuff. Um, I think my biggest complaint of all of the official Magpie releases are Unbound, Halcyon Herald, and... Oh, what's the third one? Secrets of Ages. Um, they have a lot of really cool content. I really like all the splat books uh, that Magpie have put out. New playbooks are really cool, and that's player-side stuff. But for the most part, 
their GM side stuff, their play sets and their optional rules for the GM to use and kind of buffing up the, the story of Halcyon. Um, so I, I really wanted to put out a product that appealed not just to GMs. I wanted a product that would appeal to the players too. Um, so yeah, tons tons of new resources for players to choose from uh, with existing materials. How the playbooks slot into the like the the system itself, which ones don't work so well, which ones do work really well, um, and we've all I also have included all the warbook playbooks in that. So um, just you know, keeping keeping it honest, uh, we we reference back to our material obviously um, because I we plan on you know supporting that with new new product releases um, going forward. Um, anything that we release will you know. Any book that we put will probably have some similar design, like new moves and stuff going forward uh, to playbooks that we put put out. Um, and six playbooks. Uh, we talked about the Ranger. We've talked about the Royal before. Um, the transfer is sort of like a Clark Kent Smallville. People from out of town. Uh, I kind of call it like the like the reverse outsider. Um, it's it's played really well in especially new players to the setting. Um, where you kind of get to f- be yeah. out of your element and be folksy and homesy. The guy basically made Jambalaya every episode that we played, um, and he was really sweet, and everyone really loved him. Um, and you know, he got to go. Oh crap! There, there are werewolves. That's insane. I'm in a super city. Um, which is you know, f- the fantastic is is what they're outside of, whereas the outsider is the mundane. Which is why I call it the Reverse Outsider. Um, the Inheritor uh, is another playbook that we'll be putting out with that. Um, sort of like a build your own legacy, I guess, is a good way of putting it mechanically. Uh, you're either the, like you're part of a legacy that either became a villain's legacy or just declined and, and, and disappeared, and you're rebuilding it or building it back up to being a heroic legacy. Um, so you get to pick out your powers. And other other skills, and you get to fill in NPCs that interact with your NPC. So you're basically restarting a legacy um, mechanically. Um, I'm forgetting a couple. Oh, the relic. Um, basically, Samurai Jack. You're from the past, and you get teleported to the present. Um, one way. There's uh, at least at least the way the book is written. Um, and I'm forgetting one, aren't I, Sam? Um, oh, Persona. How can I forget the Persona? Oh, right. I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Persona and the Royal are the ones that we're going to be putting out with the teaser book. The Persona is like Red X from Teen Titans when uh, Robin goes evil or acts like he's going evil to help Slade. Spoiler alerts: the thing's been out for a decade now. Uh, so uh, sorry, uh, should have put a warning on that before I said it. Um, but yeah, you're a hero and you have a villain alias, um, and you're you know sneaking around on the team, and they have two separate. Uh, moments of truth, one where they get to kick the crap out of the team in a dramatic faction, and then one where they basically like come clean to the team. Um, so those are all really cool. We've talked about some stretch goal books, The Vessel, The Defector, uh, The Smith, and The Tactician um, will probably be those. Um, they're really good, and we're really happy with those. Um, and then there will be five playsets, one will be in the teaser freebie, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's designed as a one-shot, and then the other four 
are designed to kind of explore the three different uh, hero villain factions, and then one kind of details all the rules on what being the worst generation really is. Um, and then obviously all the playbooks uh, in, the, in the final chapters. Um, so it's about 400 pages. I think it'll, it'll come out to be about 400 pages when it's done. Um, obviously a lot of work. So we're, we're really excited to get it out and um, hopefully have it backed. And we have some cool stretch goal ideas other than playbooks. Um, some of that is the content that we can't talk about because uh, it's not done and also we want to hype it up when it comes when it, if they become stretch goal stuff um some cool tier rewards we've been talking about um which obviously we can't really divulge yet uh but yeah uh, we've we've spent a couple days now just talking nothing nothing but the kickstarter um so we're really gearing up to hit the ground running um do, do you want to do you want to talk about the other playbook Sam which which one uh, the liminal, sure. Oh yeah, we, we might be releasing just a playbook on its yeah, own it's called the liminal. Yeah. Um, I don't know when. Obviously, we're we're busy with the with the um Kickstarter. Um, obviously, we'll announce that when it's when it's out. It'll just be a, on its own, just you know, three bucks. I think, uh, which is our standard price for a standalone playbooks. Um, yeah. so and that that's kind of your cop between a hero world and. Kind of like El Tigre, you know, you have, you have family or friends that are heroes, you have family or friends that are villains, and each one is kind of a tug of war trying to pull you into one camp or the other. Um, and I think I talked a little bit about it um, in the last interview. They have modular moves. Depending on which side of the fence you're on will change how your moves work. So all their moves are really generic at base, and then there are, like, fill-in-the-blanks. Like, if if you're too far on the hero side... This is how this move operates, and if you're too, and, and so each move has two different end results on top of its base result, which is again really generic. The base result's not very powerful, um, so being kind of in the middle is not really. There's rewards for st- sticking in the middle, but your moves are less powerful than it would be on one side or the other. And obviously, there's negatives for being on on both sides, um, and positives, and obviously stronger moves. Um, I think it's the coolest playbook I've written just from that, and it was one of our stretch goals until you reworked the tactician, so that's the reason why it's being released on its own, because I think it's cool enough to be released on its own while it, during all, all the rest of this stuff. So, uh, yeah. Any, anything to add, Sam? I think, I think we've covered it, mostly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you again for coming back on uh working through this uh this uh book with me um i look forward to the the kickstarter announcement and uh maybe when that's out you can come back on and we can do a deep dive on the on those preview materials uh that you're going to be oh reading. yeah absolutely i would i'm always happy to come on um so and always always happy to talk about our stuff obviously yeah yeah thanks well, for having us mm-hmm. yeah thanks for having us oh well yeah it's once again, uh, it's been lovely to have you on. Uh, where can our listeners find you if they're looking for all of your things uh, on the internet? Uh, so you can find me at 830toawesome on Twitter. Um, I've been tweeting more and retweeting stuff from uh, people like yourself, friends friends of the uh, the company. Um, you can find us at... Let me, let me get the actual URL. So 
it is fivepointsgames.itch.io. You can find all of our products there. It has a link directly to my Twitter because you can only have uh, a link to one Twitter on your front page. Um, and Sam, how about you? If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at neon underscore shift. The E in neon is a three. The one in shift is a, or the I in shift is a one. Sorry for making it complicated. <laughs> um, Did you get your Tumblr and stuff up? Uh, yes, I also now have a Tumblr, and that's just neon shift, no space, no weird symbols at Tumblr.com. All right. And as always, listeners, if you are having trouble following that and have tried to, you know, go back and forth to, to make sure you get all that. Uh, everything is in the description and on our Twitter. We make sure to link out to all of the, uh, all of our guests, uh, links there. So. Oh, thanks. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again for coming on. And, uh, I, I'm just going to say it. We'll see you next time when, uh, when your Kickstarter is launched and, uh, we oh, can talk yeah. about more of your great products. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. You. We'll definitely be in touch. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.